There's been something I've been thinking about uh, the last couple of weeks, and it's actually thought itself, like, like what it is. Something very unique to us as human beings, uh, a large part of you know, us being made in the image and likeness of God is, is, is what we're able to do with our thoughts. And uh, you know, they're, they're really amazing, you know, the fact that we can all kind of maybe close our eyes right now and I could say an object like an orange and we can all sort of imagine an orange in our mind. I mean, there's some people who can't picture things in their mind. It's a weird thing. My sister's one of them. They just sort of think like words. I don't know how to describe it. I have a very creative imagination. I can play a whole round of golf in my head, but that's a different conversation, right? But you can take that thought of an orange in your mind and uh, then if I said, you know, make that orange purple, all of a sudden you can imagine an orange that's purple. Like that's a power of your mind that you're able to do. And really what it is, is it's your ability to, to think of something as an individual, right? A particular and able to then uh, go to the universal. Like you can think of an individual orange in front of you. And then you can kind of think of like all of the oranges in the world and sort of one image that you have in your mind. And animals can't do this. It's just a series of things. They've got this thing and that thing and that thing feeds me and this thing, you know, I play with and, and they're just sort of a collection of, of things. But part of our, you know, rationality is that we're able to do that with our mind. And it's incredible what we're able to do with that. Um, and then we have thoughts, you know, and it's so much of our, our personality. It's what we're kind of influenced by everything we watch and who we hang out with and, um, you know, everything that influences us, plus, you know, how do you really describe you know, personality and individuality, but, you know, our thoughts are, are uniquely our own. And, you know, particularly that image of the fact that, like right now, it was just silent there for a second. But there's, you know, a couple, 200, 300 people in this room, if we could turn the volume up and all of a sudden start to hear all the thoughts that are going on in this church right now, it'd be a little horrifying, right? To be able to actually think, to hear what other people are thinking and have other people hear what we're thinking, you know, but you know, when we're at mass, it's so easy for us to, to forget that we're praying as one and to think of all those thoughts in our head, you know, with all our, our worries and our, our gratitude and the things that are going on in our life and the things that are weighing us down and the things that are lifting us up. You know, how many hundreds of stories are going on right now? And for us to know that we're all praying together and we're putting our thoughts on the altar. It's really, for me, been a beautiful thing just, just to think about. And I'm praying with you. For those of you who are having a, a rough time right now, I may not know in particular what's going on, but I'm praying for you. And those who are very joyful about what's going on, you know, we're celebrating in this feast of the mass together, you know, but, you know, thoughts are something that are very personal. The Lord can read our minds, but other people cannot, again, thankfully, right? The evil one, we're, we're really talking about the spiritual. We're talking about, it's not a physical thing at all. You know, when we die, we won't have our physical bodies until the resurrection of body, but we will continue to have our thoughts and our memories. But the evil one, though he can't read our mind, you know, he can suggest things to us. 
He can put things into our mind. You know, sometimes when you're in the most sacred of moments, the most inappropriate of things come to our mind. You know, what, what is that? Or even a temptation itself. We can have a bad thought of, of, of hatred or, or lust or just an inappropriate desire or something goes into our head. You know, what is that? Is it us? Is it the world showing its godlessness to us? Or, or is it actually a temptation from the evil one? Right? And hopefully what we're supposed to do when we have that thought into our mind, that in and of itself is not a sin. You can't control what is in your mind at an instance. But once you dwell on it, once you consent to it, once you kind of make it your own, that's when we either have uh, an immoral thought or, or whatever it is, or like when we're praying, I get distracted all the time. You know, your mind just goes wherever it goes. And once I'm aware of it, it I got to come back. You know, if I just stay off in la-la land, that would be, you know, a sin. I'm not engaging in this most holy hour of the week. So I've got to return, you know, to the Mass. And that in and of itself is an act of love. So getting distracted, having a sinful thought, is not a sin. It's a temptation, but that consenting to it. And we're able to recognize that, you know, to reject something. Say, Lord, I do not want this thought in my head. And to remove it and then forget about it and to move on with our day. But oftentimes, you know, we think about who we are as individuals. And, you know, the devil, he plays two roles. He comes at us with a temptation. But if we consent to that, all of a sudden he becomes the accuser. And he's very good at this. He's very good at us. That, you know, for whatever, whatever the action is, all of a sudden, you know, like we're, we're Eve in the garden and there's that temptation that we're missing something, we're longing for something, we're pursuing some form of a good or a perceived good, even if it isn't, and then we, we hold on to it and we consent it. And all of a sudden, you know, we have that quote-unquote Catholic guilt, which I hate that term. It's a terrible term. It's a completely ridiculous understanding of, of what it is. You get about one second of guilt. One second. You can feel bad for yourself, and, th and that's okay, because it reminds you, I need to return to the Lord. But any other lingering in that moment is just self-hatred. It's, it's a bad form of daydreaming that just beats yourself up. You get one second, then okay, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do better, I'll go to confession, I'll confess that, but get rid of it. But so often, we take those thoughts, which the same way that we should reject it, you know, a temptation, we should reject this accusation. Because the devil will sit there and, and we'll have it, and we're, we're down on ourselves, and we're just, you've heard this before, you've thought this before. I am terrible. Who could love me? Who could forgive me? I'm just worthless. That is of the evil one. When we think those thoughts, you need to reject it, to put it down. Yes, we can go, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up. You know me. <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna do it again, but I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep trying better, and then you go to confession, right? But that, that self-hatred is a very powerful thing, and it can begin to, to take on a bit of who we are, and the way that we look at ourselves, and the way that we see ourselves in relation to God, and that is wrong. 
the dignity of our baptism, of what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, of what it means to be a son and daughter of God is of greater honor than we'll even ever be able to understand on this earth. But as it talks about in that beautiful first reading, you know, this covenant that God made, this promise to restore that relationship, to save us of our sin, that the blood of that covenant would step many, many forms and, and continuations ultimately to the blood of the covenant that we celebrate, right? And when I say those words of consecration after the, the host, you know, this is the blood of the covenant. Think about those animals that are being split and sacrificed in such a visceral way. There's nothing, there's no niceties about that. It was real. It was raw. You know, that's what we see on the cross. The Lord is giving himself. Why? Because you were good. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. And when you think otherwise, you need to tell the evil one to go to hell. Lord, I reject this lie. I reject this way of looking at myself. Because I am your child. I am good. I am worthy of being loved. You know, we take that, we go to the confession, we give it to him, and then we live in that freedom. You're called to live in freedom. Otherwise, you're living as a slave to sin, the worst form of slavery. As St. Augustine said, even a man in a box who is living his entire life in a box, he can still be free. Wouldn't be fun, but the worst condition, you can still be free to live out the dignity of, of what it means to be a child of God. So many of us have these lies after years and decades of telling ourselves and our thoughts, though they're suggested to us by the evil one, how terrible we are. We need to reject that. We're not evil. We're sons and daughters of God. As we go through this Lent, brothers and sisters, as we put away the things that we have you know, too much attachment to, screens and food and drink and our sins, we put those away and we put on Christ. But we need to look at our thoughts as well. Are there any aspects or trends in my daily thoughts that do not honor God? That do not honor the dignity that he created me with? Because as we see the transfiguration, brothers and sisters, this unbelievable moment in which we see to the extent that we're able to you know who God is we're created to live in that that as it says in the second readings our citizenship is in heaven that is our home that is where we're called to be if you want to live in hell you can live in hell on earth and that sort of weight and slavery to those lies you're living hell on earth and no one no one should live that. So brothers and sisters, go to confession. Give it to the Lord. Let him forgive you so that that weight, that slavery can be removed and you can live in that freedom, the honor of your baptism, the image and likeness of God. You are sons and daughters of God. Let's live like it.